Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part two with my chat with my friend Aaron. Um, part one was re- released last week, so if you haven't listened to that, be sure to go check that out because it's a great one. Um, obviously, last week we spoke about sort of photography and photojournalism because that's what Aaron does uh, as a passion, a hobby, and uh, partly as a job. Um, and then you know we also spoke about sort of parenting, anxiety, uh, her snowboarding, uh, people's struggles, and all sorts of other things. So. Following on from that, we talk about, we end up talking about the homeless and sort of the homelessness epidemic that's in uh, Southampton, which is a a city in the south of England, uh, as well as Britain in general. Um, And I know in America, there's quite a few places, I I believe Los Angeles uh, and San Francisco, from what I know, does have quite a bad uh, homelessness problem. So we talk about that as one of uh, Aaron's projects for one of our photo um, sort of projects was about photo- photographing the homeless and sort of talking to them and she she has some brilliant insight into them and it's a real down-to-earth gritty look at, at the homeless sort of epidemic and what we, we try and discuss all the sort of things that we potentially could do but they're also they are still people and there's that weird disconnect that you know all of us have been guilty of where you walk past a homeless person and you just don't you, you don't not necessarily you don't consider them to be human but you don't look at them in the same way you know i'm not saying you should always give the money and things we do actually talk about that how you know giving money to a homeless person it's a good act but it's not going to necessarily change their whole situation it's a societal problem and things so you know we delve into that sort of thing um we then also get into social media and mental health again we 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 kind of look back to mental health as it's quite a prevalent part of both mine and, and aaron's lives a lot of the people we associate with do suffer with mental illness quite a lot um we talk about sort of the support networks and helping people with that um we also talk about compliments and that people don't really give out compliments anymore and how bizarre that is and how people should really because it's nice isn't it uh, so we talk about that and delve into that um we also talk about how babies die without physical contact which sounds really sudden and weird and a bizarre thing to bring up it does make sense in the context and i do look up uh, something in in the podcast uh, that kind of supports that and i've heard it from i think another podcast funnily enough um so we the baby's not dying without phys- physical contact sorry baby's dying without physical contact um it, it's a strange one but we do discuss it in the podcast so more details about that as you obviously if you listen on uh, and then we kind of finish up the podcast by talking about marketing and design a bit more sort of what aaron's doing with her life at the moment um as well as what I would do with a million pounds, which if you've listened to the episode of Carla, which I think is episode seven or something similar, um, then I thought I've already said kind of what I would do, but it's it's a sort of a, a reprise of that. But then more importantly, what Aaron would actually do with that kind of money. Um, and that's the whole what would you do with a million pounds sort of question is it might be something I end up bringing into the podcast uh, towards the end quite a lot. It's quite a nice way to sort of wrap things up. And a lot of the people I talk to, if not all of them thus far, have been genuinely good people. Um, so I'd like to really hear about what any of these people would do with a million pounds what sort of great ideas they could have you know the one with carla i'd really recommend people go back and listen to that but she talks about sort of creating her own community in a sense um, which is really interesting and and aaron's idea is really good as well it's very community driven so um yeah this one it's another great one this is obviously as i said um because of all the subject matter this isn't like a it's not a funny podcast obviously we do have a laugh to a degree because it's an informal chat between friends but you know it's one of those the more serious side of podcasts of, of the ones that at least we do on genuine chit chat um about some of the more important social is- issues <clears throat> excuse me and um, just before we get going um i want to do a shout out to um the expresso boys which is e-x-p-r-e-s-s-o boys only specifically say the spelling because certain people spell the word espresso as in a coffee with an x or with an s and that sort of thing i wouldn't want people not being able to find the podcast but um i've got i've put the link in the uh, description and that sort of thing so you should be able to find it there um 
But yeah, they're just a couple of guys who just have sort of... The, 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 the tagline of the podcast is a podcast about nothing where they talk about everything. And that's basically what it is. It's in the same or similar format to this one where it's just a conversational thing. Um, but it's the the two co or the two co-hosts just discussing an all matter of things sometimes with guests sometimes not um so if you like the sort of format of this podcast but you like it a little bit less structured because obviously mine is kind of each episode is sort of it has a theme or a genre or some sort of thing like that you know there are certain ones where i just talk about nonsense for two hours with a friend which it's it's almost more so what theirs is like it's it's a little bit less but they do actually have topics written down and things i mean i'm slaughtering this shout out to be honest with you i'm doing terribly and the funny thing is this podcast is being released i think a day before i think they said they'd do a shout out for me which is lovely um so it's like theirs is going to be released afterwards and their shout out is probably gonna be 10 times better than this one this is just a bloody rambling mess so i apologize to both the espresso boys and all of you guys listening but um go check that out it's, it's a really cool podcast you know um, we we spoke a little bit on uh, on reddit and then um, i checked their podcast out and i'm subscribed now so it's it's a it's a wonderful podcast. If you like this one, you'll probably like the other one, if not more. Uh, so yeah, go check out the Espresso Boys. Anyway, apart from that ramble of a shout out, uh, this is why people need to send me their promos because then I don't slaughter it. Um, but yeah, thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Um, I'll be back at the end to give the sort of usual details and whatnot. You know, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and all the that sort of jazz. Um, and I'll get on with the show. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. For one of my projects, I um, actually photographed a homeless man. I got um, quite a good rapport with him. Um, We'd only really give like barely any money but we would definitely give food or or um like hot chocolate or something just to kind of get him through Mm. and it was just kind of horrific because he genuinely was down and out Mm. um there was no way about it uh just the kind of general state of him you could tell it wasn't kind of made up which you can if anyone lives in Southampton, you definitely know who are the ones that are fake and who mm. are real. People with smartphones and things like that. Yeah, right? so um, often see it in the high street, actually, um, that the homeless people's bosses come along. Right. And they have a discuss- they, you can hear them have a discussion about, oh, so-and-so's here and you're here and mm. so-and-so's down the road. And then I guess they pull their money for whatever. Yeah. Um, but this guy was generally down and out and... It takes a lot to kind of go up to and like say, "How did you get in this position?" Yeah, and the end, the end kind of thing is, I was really depressed. My my wife lost her, you know, lost our child. Mm. Um, I didn't handle it very well, and I, you know, I went in a downward spiral, and that's how I end up here. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you think. People that may not necessarily need as much as help as this individual be being given housing or or whatever they need, which is fair enough. They may they may need it as well. Mm. But you've got someone that generally is like, I need help. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be stuck here. Yeah. And even to the point where he was ill, he went to the hospital and they kicked him out at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. Where's someone going to go at four o'clock in the morning? Yeah. yeah. Had, you know, it's just... Yeah. The culture we live in sometimes makes me think, 
what what is what can be done and it just seems like there's never an easy answer because if you come up with one answer it will lead to another question well if we do that this will happen and it's mm. always like but 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 exactly and it always stops things happening before they start yeah a lot of the time instead of you know you get a lot of people in america right now one of the big things is um I've spoken about gun laws on the podcast quite a lot, so I'm not going to delve into uh, the depth of that again. But like with gun laws, uh, one of the things that a lot of the sort of the more right wing people want to protect the gun rights are they go and the people left wing who want to obviously uh, put more gun control in, they're left people saying, right, we need to start registering it. We need to do this. We need to do these little incremental things over time. And then the people more so on the right are like, no, we can't do any of that because either the, the change is too big and it will ruin everything or it's so small it won't make a difference. So it keeps being every time there's a shooting or something, there's almost the same debate going on. Now it's starting to happen, uh, I think, a lot, as with, with social media and obviously the sheer amount of mass shootings in the last year or two has gone up so ridiculously. But it's like you, there's not, people want there to be a right answer that has no consequence with really complicated social issues. Like one of the things I've becoming more into terms with is a universal basic income. Just like say everyone in Britain gets seven grand just for being Brit, well, not being British, you know, but people living in Britain get seven grand. That's it. And then you can work obviously as well to get over that. But that takes some of the financial pressure off people of you can afford to feed your family, you can afford to live, you can afford to do this. Or maybe with that you have five thousand pounds and two thousand worth of food vouchers or so you know it's i'm not a politician and i'm not a policymaker i don't have all the answers but just even getting in the conversation of trying to figure these things out with yeah. with a homelessness epidemic okay well what about some of these derelict buildings and things like that like if we had enough money in the in government and whatnot to be able to make like houses for people who are homeless and there are some there are some hostels and some great charities who do a lot of work and help these people yeah but it's like we shouldn't we shouldn't have like when I went to Iceland. I don't think I saw any homeless people. Now I'm not an expert in knowing about Iceland, sort of the difficulty in the social dynamic or anything like that. But from what a lot of the European and more liberal countries do is they have it. There almost aren't any homeless because if you get to that stage, you get help in a lot of ways, and that's what we need. But when you start talking about universal basic income, people go, "Well, how'd you get to get the money?" And I'd argue cut it from war and tax the rich more but then you get these other people who say oh but if you do that then this will happen if you do that and it's like every time before we do anything we've got someone saying no and then people complain that nothing's changing yeah. and so we have to actually try something you know it's weird you kind of say that because i've i've had many discussions about you know how can homeless people be helped mm. um and I always thought there's so many buildings around that are, like they are they're just empty mm. in Southampton. Walk past them, it's empty. It's been empty for God knows how long. Like surely, if that was maybe three, four bedroom house, you could have some beds in each room and have someone managing that house. And that the deal is is that maybe they need to do community service or or something for for a few hours a day, so they've mm. got a roof over their head, and that's the way they maintain it. And that's a way that they have a purpose because when I when I was speaking to you know some of the homeless, it was I'm invisible. Like no one would care if I dropped off the face of the earth. I don't have a face and I don't have a name. I'm yeah. just uh look at that inconvenience to the eye on the mm, street. Yeah. Um. So actually, all that I say we get them to do some community work or something and people might think 
oh well you can't just like force them to do that but actually it could give them purpose and it could actually restructure their life for them to yeah. actually want to do something else because nine times out of ten it's not that they don't want to it's that they they've got to a position where they do not have the first step up to actually change their future because mm. they don't have somewhere to have a shower they don't have the right clothes for maybe a job interview they mm. can't they can't even get a, a roof over their head although exactly. they're trying and they're going into a council office every so often mm. um it's just one of those things it is yeah it's it's a real hard one and um the, the longer we leave it the worse it's going to get and it becomes more of a you know if someone gets stuck in a hole and if you can give them a helping hand to get out the hole then they'll be fine but yeah. it's normally that first initial step um towards it and, and it is when you say about the community service thing, one of the things I was thinking was, well, I'd save quite a bit of money for Britain, I just thought about it then, would be with uh, with drug users, for example. You know, you get if you get found using cocaine or heroin or anything like that, you can get a lot of jail time. And it's, a lot of studies have shown that um, people, when they're incarcerated, it doesn't help them. But what can help them a lot is being under either house arrest and or doing community service. That's normally better for people than just being locked up with loads of other people for X amount of years. And there'll be with certain crimes that make people maybe not dangerous to others, like a degree of theft or and um, potentially fraud, depending on to what level it is, and then a drug use, you could argue, well, instead of having a certain jail time, you just have a strict community service schedule. And then with that, the money that you'd save from uh, having to have them incarcerated for X amount of time, you know, feeding them their people's wages when they're obviously the guards the living spaces all these every person you have i can't remember if this was in america or in england but it was thirty thousand either dollars or pounds to have someone incarcerated in a year and you think well if they're in there for a year you just use that 30 grand to invest in getting them put them through a community service for for example the homeless or that sort of thing and then that thirty thousand pounds could go towards they could get a small amount of money for doing the community service as well you know a, a much reduced rate i'd say than a standard wage potentially but depending on their living situation see all these other complications that come out of it but like with that money just thirty thousand pounds if he's got thirty thousand pounds i could sort out food for the homeless people in southampton like if there's like a hundred with 300 i spend about food here for myself a month i'd say is between one to 200 pound maybe and that's including me going out occasionally getting a takeaway or fast food or anything like that and i'm i'm quite uh i pay attention to my finances but i'm not like scrimping horrendously i mean i could easily cut it down to 100 quid if i didn't have my innocent smoothies every day and that sort of thing and it's just like well so you think that if you said 100 pound or ish to feed a person for a month and you've 30 grand that's 300 people you know um sorry not 30 that's um 3,000 people no it's 30 see i'm doing my maths terribly 300 people 300 times um 100 is thirty thousand. so you think we well, could feed yeah so like um 300 people for a month on 30 grand and that's just one person being incarcerated you know and you just think if we could balance out the scales of the punishment from prisons to more community service stuff and the money that you'd use gets redistributed to help them it'll make society so much more balanced it'll make the people who've committed the crimes have better perspective not 100 percent of them but i think it would help quite a few and it would also help the rest of the community as well that's suffering yeah and it's just like i can't but people just don't seem to want to try and we've got all these people in power who've got all the money and you know all this other <laughs> stuff and it's just like there's got to be another way of working it yeah i mean some of the some of the best photographs i've ever taken were in new york but Although those stick in my mind, mm. the other thing that sticks in my mind is actually 
how horrific the homeless situation is there and i cannot describe how much worse it is mm, yeah I've heard I, in America, the, it's and bad. they hide in the subways mm. and i just it's really unfortunate but literally the smell of them mm. is you've been out here with nothing for a long time yeah yeah and but it's just nothing like life just mm. goes on and the the rush goes on and that i think that's a key theme in photography as well is that here's thousands of beautiful images and here's thousands of horrific images mm. um but we just look at that and go yeah okay that's just life isn't it yeah exactly but w- what where does that come from where's that okay well oh sounds popular <laughs> No, more like pestered. <laughs> no, it's just my dad. Oh, okay. Shout out to my dad for interrupting the uh, podcast. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually had, uh, I've had my own phone alarm go off in like six or seven podcasts before. Um, we can pause it if you want to respond to him or something. No, it's okay. okay. No problem. But um, yeah, with the with the homelessness thing as well, it's um, this is one of those times where obviously that whole thing i can't do anything individual like with me personally if i tried to if i spent the rest of my life helping homeless and doing me a humanitarian i could probably change a fair amount of lives but i wouldn't change the country and the system even if i spent all my life helping everyone in southampton it wouldn't change england no. for example because there's a lot of issues which are problems with society which individuals in themselves can't change but if we all change our sort of mindset we can eventually bring in things to help them and is that you know i would love to um grab a homeless person off the street feed them have shower them get them sorted out send them off into the world or give them money you know just give them a lot of money that i have i don't have a lot of money but you know um and you could argue yeah that maybe that would would change up one person's life and it could help but if i I don't make very much money. I don't make a little bit. I make like an right amount to live on. But it's like, I don't make enough money to be able to spend it all on, like if my car no. blows up, I'm screwed. If something big happens in my life financially, I'm, I say screwed. It's more, I have to really watch my money. So you have the where you have these corporate elites who like big business owners, like bankers are owning, they give themselves like millions of pound bonuses. And it's just like, no one needs more than a million pound a year. Like, like as general wage, some people argue, you know, footballers should because of the advertising uh, that football that goes into football, the amount of money that's in football, and actors, the amount of money that's in acting. And it's like we have to kind of look at it in a way of your job. You should get the right amount of money in relation to how difficult the job is to do and how much benefit it brings to society and how important it is. And to do that, unfortunately, you need to balance the scales in a way that people won't want it to. So yeah, you're an actor. You're in like Tony uh, Tony Stark. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man as Iron Man in the Avengers movies made like quite a few hundred million or something ridiculous um, or 10 million or something and it's like well he doesn't need that kind of money you know he I'm sure he's a great guy and the movies are fantastic but you don't need to pay someone that if, if and if you paid him less and he was like well I'm not going to do that then you go okay I'll, like you could get someone who's a good enough actor and pay them if filming Avengers takes three months well, okay a quarter of a year let's say you give them as an actor 100 grand a year right that's still loads of money oh yeah and, like if you said i could do work work for three months and earn 25 grand i'll be like yes what the fuck i'd love to do that i don't earn 25 grand a year do you know what i mean so it's like yeah we redistribute the money from there but the problem is is that without with doing that you have to have the government's hand in it more and our government in britain is i know avengers is american but our government in britain is quite shit in a lot of ways and it's like the the whole system needs a restructure, but 
to do that, you'd have to almost wipe it clean. And it's just like all these options are so difficult to figure out what to do. But like, I think over time, hopefully it'll get better and hopefully it will, maybe it'll get worse before it gets better. But I, I believe optimistically that whether it takes 10, 100 or 1,000 years, hopefully the homelessness epidemic, the mental health epidemic, the all these sorts of issues that are happening, we can, if we can structure society in the right ways, redistribute the wealth in the right ways, but still have it like, I wouldn't want to live in a communist society where everyone gets paid the same because no. that, that never works. You, you no. can't, you can't have a doctor earning the same as a, as a, a shelf sack or Tesco. That's, you can't have that. It doesn't make sense. So you should have the balance of, of it and be able to redistribute the money and then we can have more things that go into important stuff. Footballers don't need that kind of money and don't need like 10 Lamborghinis because they play on play football a little bit. You don't, the money there, even if you argue, yeah, they deserve it because of um, the money that's in football. It's like, yeah, but surely, quote unquote, deserving 15 million or whatever is not worth what someone needs it, the homelessness or NHS. And people can argue that the NHS has been cut and all the funding from that and slowly becoming more and more privatised. It's like, really there's no really rich people who really want to sort that out and it, it just triggers me yeah it's it's a very triggering subject so i wonder actually how much people might say about this discussion but um it just feels like no one can do anything right and no one can, like everyone's doing something wrong or mm. everything you choose is the wrong thing to do yeah um so you've kind of got to do what you think's best and give back where you can i mean mm. like i said if i see see a homeless person that really looks down and out mm. i'll probably buy them a hot drink and mm. something to eat because i'd much much rather do that than than maybe go and spend the money on something that might be like dangerous to their life well yeah with addicts for example you know with a lot of the homeless people you don't know if some of them, like one of the, the gentlemen you spoke to, it can be really down on their luck and just all the sort of wrong things happen to them, maybe partially their own fault, but you can't be held accountable. Like if you make a big mistake at one point in your life, I'm not talking about like killing someone or something like that, you know, that's a bit extreme, but like being a real bad person maybe for a certain period of time or short period of time or doing just one big wrong decision shouldn't necessarily impact you for your entire life negatively you should be able to have a way of getting out of that um well the problem is you have with a lot of these um homeless people you know if if they get 10 pound a day that isn't enough for them to change your entire life around but it is enough to continue the drug habit they've got or the alcoholism or something and obviously not every homeless person is bad not every homeless person's addicted to anything and i'm not saying anyone who's addicted to things is necessarily bad either it's a very the human brain is glitched out to fuck it's it's so many issues that come along with it with uh, the way our society structured primarily make it worse with addicts they need help they don't need to be criminalized they need to be helped get over their addiction and you buying them a hot drink is good because obviously that's going to help them but you could give them a 10 pound you could think that's going to do great and because addicts a lot of the time and they wouldn't quite go so far say that it's not in their control but it's so much easier when you're an addict and you have nothing there to just go back on this drug or whatever or keep drinking just to make whatever day feel slightly less shitty because you know that £10, maybe it will feed you for a little bit longer, but it's not going to change your life completely. And it's, it's a real, it's a difficult situation, you know. It is it is difficult and several of the topics we've spoken about today are really tricky, but, you know, there's there's lots of... There's lots of photographers and photojournalists that are out there and they, they are trying to make a difference with what they're showing and it's not always all for the money. There mm. are 
there's obviously good and bad to that industry always. Oh yeah. Um, All industries have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when when is a picture or an article too shocking? Like, mm. what is the final? That's not like that's not okay. That's yeah, that is a hundred percent fully not okay. Mm. When's that enough? And it, it never is. And I mean, just recently, another another you know the rhino. Oh, the last one. Yeah, yeah, died. And last male died, and and we're like, well done, world. Like, yeah, so. well done. But you wouldn't like. It's been probably a couple of weeks since then, and it's already dropped off of the. But not for everyone, it hasn't. But in the terms of media, it's already it's old news. It's dropped off. Yeah, and uh, that's that is the industry we live in is like. Bad news is the news. Like, good mm. news doesn't make news. And no. it, you know, sometimes it does, but nine times out of ten, if it's bad, that sells. Yeah. This image, that's bad, that sells. Mm. Oh, that looks really bad. People are going to look at that because mm. they want to know what that is. And we go, oh my God, this is so horrific. This is terrible. And yeah, again, we'd like, we'll close that, that magazine or that, no- that newspaper or turn the TV off. And then we go, Oh, so what do you want for dinner? Yeah. And it just seems like a really what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very upsetting. We need more. We need more focus to be on the the right parts of life. I mean, social media is great for a lot of things. It's bad for a lot of other things. But I I, I like to hope we're in a transitionary period at the moment with the internet and uh, social media and that sort of thing, and it's becoming. It, it's like at the moment, there's a lot of people who get let's say addicted to their phones or anything like that. Um, but like you get some people who are yeah, addicted to their phones or addicted to social media and, and that sort of thing and they they don't use it for any good but there is a lot of social media which can be used for good and what I'm hoping is over time more and more people as our generations become more liberal and more there's I feel there's a lot on the side of too much on political correctness I'm not saying like saying the n-word or anything like that I think you shouldn't say that but like there are lines where people make too much of a fuss about issues that aren't that don't matter as much when we could be focusing this group effort on things that matter a lot more. And I, I'm hoping, I'm optimistic that that is slowly going to be happening. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a movement out there. I, I know plenty of photographers um, and just people that use social media as well. Don't necessarily have to be a photographer or like someone that films or anything. Like you can do it by yourself, but yeah. I know people that are involved in doing music and nature photography and it, it's nice and it is positive. Um, but I also know a lot of people that are active on, you know, like don't don't kind of sit there and suffer in silence. Like do what you want to do. Like at the end of the day, like you have to make yourself happy sometimes. And if that means approaching a difficult topic like mental illness, like that's it. I, I um actually work with someone that doesn't let mental illness define her and that's what she says so it doesn't define me and she has such positive messaging out there and it's honest um there's a lot of social media that's like really happy today blah blah blah, and it's around mental illness but it, it isn't the reality uh whereas what she will do is this was a really epic day but at the time I was really being affected. Mm. And I told her, said, this 
is what people need because it's real and it mm. will help others in that same situation. I mean, I've got a very close family member that suffer, suffers from mental illness and it's it's really difficult. And I think when people see that kind of positive with realness, they say, I can relate and you know what? I'm going to be brave today mm. and I'm going to feel like I can actually be honest and say something and people will listen mm. and it's not kind of dramatized and yeah. made out to be a big hoo-ha which exactly. can be it can easily be made into that but it's not mm, yeah honesty is a, is a key one with uh with relatively everything in life you know with with the social media you put up one puts up a face almost you you put on a way of putting things on there a lot and some people do it and it's fine and some people do it and I wouldn't approve of it all but it's people are a lot of the time disingenuous on social media in the wrong ways and what what i find the internet is doing to a degree is making certain individuals easier to cover up a lot of things um both for other people and from themselves and i just feel if the dialogue can be a lot more open and a lot more honest about all these things then we, we can make change and it's just people who are wor- like whenever people are worried about yeah oh I'm, I'm depressed but i don't want to keep bothering my friend about because i'm depressed it's like well if you if you have the right kind of friends they will always understand yeah you know and if you have the kind of people who do uh you know ostracize you sort of demonize you for ha- for being mentally ill or having these issues you know there is a degree of you have to you can't let it define you as you said that your friend says and things you can't let say if we use depression in this example if you're depressed you will get with me regarding me regarding depression my friends who are depressed they get sympathy from me and i'll help them in any way i can if they have really low days and we have plans and they're like oh, i just feel crap today because why not i'm like yep that's fine anything i can do to help i will but you also have to have that idea of yeah you have to take charge of your own life it has to be you should be people should be sympathetic to those who are suffering but also those who are suffering do need to push themselves and try and get out and i think with the the synergy of both of people being more understanding and helping more with people suffering understanding that they have a lot more power in their life than they think they do and they have a lot more of a hold on their own mental illness than the mental illness has on them once they can understand that and they can start getting through it you see so many people with depression who just get given loads of pills by doctors and just like take these you'll be fine and then they take them and they feel numb and then they try and come off them because they don't like the way they feel and then they just crash again and start spiraling and it's like there isn't the options aren't suffer or be numb you know it has to be there are more ways to do that and even though i obviously said about the doctors doing it and it's it's easy to demonize the doctors for doing that sort of thing but obviously with the NHS losing a lot of money and all these sorts of other things, it's difficult for doctors to be able to spend all that time on trying to help those people, Yeah. Um, which makes it even more difficult. And then it makes people who are suffering not want to do it even more because they go, oh, the NHS is cutting loads back. I don't want to spend, I don't want to waste an appointment with a doctor if someone's dying and they can have that. And then you get that result of mental illness, that especially in the Western world, you go, I should be happy. I've got a house, I've got a job, I've got friends, I've got family. I should be happy and I'm not. And then instead of trying to force themselves out of it and be like, I'm going to just do difficult things. I'm going to climb a mountain or go skiing or go skydiving or do any of these things. They end up feeling this guilt and it makes them more introverted and makes them more boxed in. And it becomes this cycle of, I feel depressed, but I shouldn't do. So I'm a bad person. So I feel like I should feel depressed, which then makes you worse, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, at work, I 
I volunteered to write a piece about um, what it's actually like to be um, the support for someone that is suffering with mental illness Mm. because actually that can really change things for someone because it's to do with support networks and how you can actually help someone and I was really honest in it and you know at the end of the day that is like trying to you know just being there sometimes or taking somebody out or doing something that they enjoy just to take their mind off things and when they do have a bad day you know be compassionate and understand and just do what they need you to do and what is right like don't force them to do anything that's going to be out of their comfort zone and potentially make things worse Mm. and it really resonated with people because it was honest and I just kind of put in there you know if you think that it is down to the point where it could be a family member your friends your colleagues and sometimes it just takes one question like you know is everything okay like do you need five minutes just to chat or something and it literally could be the the difference that someone needs just to to feel better at that moment or you could have been the first person to ask them them if they were okay in a long time Mm. so yeah i 100% agree with that it's um the power is with people (laughs) yeah people people can change a lot more of their own surroundings and everyone's around them much more than they give themselves credit for believe they can yeah it's all about the power of belief in a sense but not necessarily faith or a god or a deity if that helps you then go ahead but it's more the individual you have much more of an impact on other people's lives around you than you think you do and with that it's as you say there are people who they're suffering excuse me they're suffering and they don't want to burden anyone with their idea of what they was causing them depression or causing them uh, this, these issues they don't want to burden them but if you ask them and you show that you want to help then they'll often open up the floodgates and even them talking about their issues which can cause a lot of emotions to come out even them doing that for even a 20 minute conversation that could change their entire outlook on the whole month you know and it's and it's same with that like a lady that you saw that we mentioned earlier of like if someone in town or someone anywhere you see is struggling with something or is in pain or anything like that you trying to help them can really change their life completely i mean there's quite a few things on reddit um that i've read about people you know when they're depressed like what things have brought them out and people have said things as simple as i was in a shop and i just had a really low day and a cashier served me smiled at me and said they thought my hair was really cool and just that that tiny thing just because this girl um had like uh, different color hair and whatnot just that thing that, that minor compliment can really change something i mean i've been in you know i'm not I'm not depressed. I don't have depression or any mental illnesses. Uh, well, I haven't been diagnosed with any, so I assume I haven't. Um, but even I get days where you feel really low and just feel like shit and you're just like, I fucking hate everything. Sometimes you're like, what's the point in existing? Like, nothing at the moment. I watch TV shows. They're boring. I go outside. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do this. And then something will either happen. Either I've had it both times where a mate of mine I haven't seen in a while. I was like, oh, dude, you bet you don't hang out. And I'm like, I really, really don't want to. But I'll say yes. I'll just fucking do it. And then you feel great afterwards. Yeah. Or other ways of just, I've been to a shop before. Um, and I think, um, I think my, my tattoo, because I've obviously got the Star Wars tattoo. And um, I just had a bit of a crap day and nothing was going right. And then I just end up having this five minute conversation with someone talking about Star Wars and tattoos and stuff. And after that, I was just having one short positive conversation changed the whole day and from then i was fine exactly it's like what you said about you know you know someone at the restaurant got the order wrong and 
there's someone literally just like screaming and going at this person and it literally could be it could affect everything mm. instead of them just saying oh like sorry to bother you but like you know i think my order got mixed up a bit like do you mind just checking for me like yeah, yeah. that's totally different as well as you said you know that cashier said to that lady your hair's really cool and it's almost like we're afraid to say things i've said it to a lady before like an older lady i thought she looked really beautiful and i said mm. you look really good you yeah. look fantastic and she yeah. was like oh my gosh so people much. are surprised nowadays, aren't yeah, they? When you like, compliment oh. people, they get surprised about it, which is actually quite upsetting. It's like there are so many people who are incredible and they don't see themselves in this way because everyone just either just thinks they're really cool but never says it, and then all they hear is the negativity, and it does start to wear down on you a lot of the time. You know, people, we need to like, with with a lot of my friends. I want I, I'm affectionate. I tell all my um, all my mates, male and female, that I love them all the time because you know. Um, and I give everyone hugs when I can and that sort of thing. And it's, you know, it's only a small thing on my heart part, but it can be a big thing on someone else's. You don't know what people are going through and you don't know if you have a, if you yell at that waiter that it could be that final straw of that day and they just lose it, you know. And there was a, there was a thing which was um, studies shows and another thing with this guy was talking to people about this. Uh, people try and jump off bridges, try and kill themselves. Um, it's been shown that a lot of the time they just haven't had a normal positive conversation with someone for months. Yeah. And you, humans are social creatures. We need others to flourish. And if you're just never nice to each other, you're never this, never that, eventually it just starts to, your 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 mind can't function properly. Yeah, my, my colleague actually said that um, we basically need at least 10 minutes of human contact. Mm. Like, you know, that could be like having a hug with someone, holding someone's hand or or just being generally like close to them. Yeah. And it really makes a big difference, which when she said that it it kind of was like, hmm, like people that live alone or like old people that don't have anyone popping in on them. Mm. It's really easy to understand how people feel isolated and it really goes downhill fast because they've done social experiments before where someone's literally had no contact for like I think they did like couple of days or something and he just said that it was like losing himself because mm. there was just there was no one to bounce anything off you can you just have your own thoughts and no one to kind of converse with or even to hug like you said you hug your friends mm. and th they might be having a crappy day you wouldn't know and and that little hug without you even knowing was it's probably like finally like someone like being nice oh my gosh yeah. like that's what i needed today mm, we'll start with um with babies for example um I can't remember I heard this. The scientific validity of this may not be uh, full once again. But um, I heard it was with babies in their first certain amount of time of being alive, they're to be held. And, um, you know, there are certain children who, uh, when they go through critical conditions and things, they have to be in these uh, uh, those uh, incubator unit things where they have some breathing for them. But usually in that sort of circumstance, it's slightly different. But if you're just a standard, fairly healthy baby, um, I've been told that if they're not held a certain amount, they can just die, like from lack of contact just yeah. if they're not you know if they haven't had not even necessarily affection in um from necessarily a family member just nurses sometimes hold them up and just holding them because nurses now in like a lot of clinics when you get those rooms all the babies and stuff in nurses are often picking them up holding them just a certain amount of time each for each baby because if you leave them and don't touch them they they can just die and it's like that 
yeah, yeah, just the thought of no human contact can make someone die. And you, you get, as I said earlier, people who are the most miserable are normally the ones that are most isolated. There must be some truth in that, actually, because I saw a thing about um, just an old retired guy. Mm. And he volunteers and goes into the... He just goes into the baby units and he just holds the babies yeah. and just hugs them and stuff. And... Uh, People are like, oh, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And he was like, these these babies need contact. Like, hmm. you don't know their situation. And yeah, like you said, with, with children that may have serious illnesses, hmm. sometimes you don't know how far parents have had to travel to actually have their child in that unit or yeah. that hospital. Yeah, exactly. And it's not financially feasible for them to stay in a hotel. Obviously, they may get some support, but there's only a limited time that that will happen. Yeah. So they may not be able to get there as quickly. They might have like a four-hour drive or something every day. So that, you know, that old guy just going into, you know, just sit with the, the little babies and give them that contact that they need. There mm. must be some truth in that they do generally need it. And yeah. it, I, I think it's a thing of, um, I think I've heard somewhere as well when, when people are sick or something, that contact can help as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. improve because they almost, I don't know, maybe they get kind of like positive energy from everyone around them and stuff. Mm, yeah. It's, it's hard to know. Yeah, just, um, I just quickly looked it up on my phone. Um, and apparently it says that it's basically exactly what you've just said. And it's, um, there's an article here. It's on um, psychology today. And the article is called Touching Empathy. Um, if you just, I Googled, um, for anyone wants to listen to this, um, I just Googled babies dying from lack, lack of touch. And um, so I just brought this up and it says, um, uh, I'll just quickly read out a couple bits from it. Um, there's an article. But, um, it's not surprising. We live in a country that's starved for physical affection, a place where an outbreak of hugging by high school students prompts media coverage and even alarm. Um, whereas in other cultures, it's not very remarkable and people generally celebrate it. Um, also noting that touch can ease... Um, pain lift depression and even um, possibly increase the odds that teams win in games but touch is even more vital than this babies who are not held and nuzzled and hugged enough will literally stop growing and if the situation lasts long enough even if they're receiving proper nutrition they can die i said the researchers discover that when trying to figure out why some orphanages have infant mortality rates around 30 to 40 percent we now know that the orphanage orphanages um that are, are no place for infant babies age zero to five simply because they don't receive enough stimulation in group residential care to develop in the fullest of their capabilities and the article goes on for loads of other stuff um you know and it says um f individualized physical parental attention you know nurturing the baby is necessary for the brain to learn to connect human contact with pleasure as this is one of the foundations of empathies which also um connects through it's connected through touch and shared smiles well, well that I said I'll probably put a link to that article in the um, description if I remember. Um, but it's just knowing that human babies like can actually die from not being touched. It's like what? And, and then people go through, as you say, especially with old people, they they get times where they just haven't been touched by anyone for a very long time, and it, you just have to think about all the the physiological things that can do to someone, both in your, mentally and also for your actual body and stuff. Exactly. It's it's crazy. Um, what I was going to say is we're, um, we've got a little bit of time left, but we're getting, we're approaching the two hour mark. And, um, so I was going to, I've got a couple of questions I've got written down that I was just curious and I think it will fit in quite nicely to what we've been talking about. Um, okay. so here's, here's uh, two questions. They're quite similar, but I'll ask one of them first, which is, um, f so dream job. If you could say, say you got paid 
a perfect amount for whatever you choose a job money's not an object what what precisely would it be if, if you had to choose a sort of one thing oh this might this might actually shock you a bit um magazine designer oh really okay i love mag design oh my god i just oh it's just fantastic so varied as well mm. like really got a flair for it at uni actually and at the time i was just picking options for mm. a couple of years and just love it so much and it can vary and the styles they they change and what's favored changes mm-hmm. like at the moment um kind of using using space for one image or one bit of massive text is really popular mm. um whereas before if there was a blank space it'd be like the end of the world because yeah. blank space is dead space but mm. um that's what i would love to do and who knows whether i might end up there one day but i'm i'm in my kind of job now and on the side i try to kind of improve those kinds of things and teach myself new things because that industry like evolves so quickly and the way we're kind of looking at those kinds of materials is yes people still buy magazines but it's also like kind of migrating to kind of like an online thing as well so Mm, like i told you earlier i'm trying to teach myself like design code but it's really extensive and takes time but hopefully maybe one day might get to that kind of thing yeah yeah it's um that's really cool yeah because i've um because when i worked at the last place i worked at wisbit um and it was the cd production and cassette manufacturing place um that was graphic design based a lot of it, it was admin production and graphic design um so you know in fact uh, because people at my new work know about this um i've helped design a couple of brochures and pamphlets and stuff like that just for a few things and um it's weird in it because when when I describe, because I, I design CDs for people as well and um, certain leaflets for other people, whether it's businesses or bands and people's wedding invites, all that sort of jazz. And it's a weird one when it comes to design because I find trying to teach someone what goes where correctly, it's such a hard thing to do. I just know when it's wrong. Yeah. So I just, when I find with projects, if I if someone sends me something I have to revamp, I love it. I can do it so quickly because I, I look at it and go, right, that's wrong. That, well, that looks rubbish. That looks rubbish. And you change them and then the rest falls into place. But I found that when it's like creating something from scratch, that was always the hardest for me because I just go, well, okay, I've got a blank canvas and they've given me this amount of text and these pictures. And you just go, sometimes you can stare at it for 10 minutes and not do anything. And you're like, uh, but what the best things I've found to do is just kind of chuck them all on the page in a sense, fit them in. And then look at it and go, right, that doesn't look right there. And why not? And then you can tweak it. Yeah. It's such a hard thing to tell, explain to someone, like, what if someone said, what's wrong with this brochure? I could probably explain it to them in a bit, but it'd be so much easier for me just to show them what a right brochure was, in a sense. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a hard one. I mean, even in my in, in my job now, I, I do do a lot of that kind of thing. And um, we obviously have a brand, so you have to follow that brand and, and work towards it. And... Um, some of the things I get sent obviously people have tried and I really appreciate it when people do try because they're not instantly just assuming that I'm going to have time to make something for them straight away Mm -hmm. um but they have kind of idea and Mm. and then you transform it and when they get it back they're really just like oh this is amazing and I think that's kind of the good thing as well but you're totally right sometimes you sit there and you go oh I do not know how to make this work And, and it isn't until you kind of dump it on the page and move things around and you know take out what's necessarily like needed because 
sometimes you get too much text and yeah, things in. and happen. if someone's not getting the message quite quickly they're not going to look at what you're trying to put across so yeah exactly it's um it is a weird one but i've i've quite like graphic design because i'm not um i can't draw i'm basically i'm terrible at drawing i'm terrible at painting anything artsy like that i'm, I'm probably quite crap at making things with clay but i haven't tried maybe that's my <laughs> talent but i i always I kind of always know what it should be in a sense, which is probably why it frustrates me so much when I try and draw because I know exactly how it should look. I just can't yeah. do that. In your head, like I have a masterpiece and then you look at your paper and it looks like a potato. Like, <laughs> not what yeah. I had in mind. That's exactly right. And with graphic design, I find also if you make a mistake, you can obviously when it's on, on the computer and it's graphics and stuff. So it's like you just undo whatever you just did. Exactly. So you just fuck up and you go control Z, just done. Like don't, don't even think about it. If I do something wrong, just undo it immediately. And I like that where the trial and error aspect of it and just spending ages uh, just putting everything in a certain place and go, oh, you know what? That should go there. But if that goes there, that goes there. And then you end up just, you think you're going to tweak one thing and then you end up rearranging the whole thing and, you, and then you go, I think that looks good. Yeah. And then compared to the original that you had, which you thought was basically ready and you go, what? That looks terrible comparison. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. I like having it where you get the starting point and the end point. You look at them between the two and as you say, when I did wedding CDs for people and things like that and they'd be like, they draw this really crude drawing, like a, with a pen, just vaguely saying, like, I want a picture there, yeah. and I'll picture that there, and a picture there. Can you kind of throw something together? I just want this one thing. And then when I get that, it's like, yes, it's, I, I get one core, I sort out what they want first, and then you put your own spin around it. And some of the things that you make, you think, oh, it's fantastic. And then you give it to them, and they are completely blown away, and they go like... I've had people go, that is exactly how I saw it in my head, but I can draw it. Or they go, that is 10 times better than I thought. Yeah. And it's so gratifying when you can help someone with their... It's obviously, when it comes to graphic design, it's slightly more minor and low-key, but it's like, even things like that, when someone has a vision for something they want, and you get nail it, and it's so gratifying, just almost like a connection. Definitely. But that's... I've interest is there, would it be any kind of magazines, or do you have like a... Just any. I mean... Uh, I've done quite a lot when I was at uni basically Mm. the way the degree worked is that they taught you how to take the picture how to write the article and how to build what those things would go into what kind of magazine would go into so I've actually done very like I've um, photographed um, pole dancing before okay photographed um, downhill um, mountain biking uh, photographed like NASCAR Mm um then i photograph animals like it's really varied so actually i've i've kind of designed quite a few things that fit all those kind of categories and if you mm. think at this about the types of magazines those things would go into um they'd all be very different so yeah. i don't think necessarily there'd be kind of one sort of style but yeah. You never know what you're going to fall into and something might mm. just suit me down to the ground. But well, if you're into everything as well, be, what's quite good about that is you get the innovation of it. So you could work, argument's sake, you work in one area and then you use aspects from another area that you like to put it in that, which other people who are in that, like people only doing animal photography and exclusively that, and they need to put an article about it in a slightly different magazine, they wouldn't be able to say structure it or write it in, in the exact same way as it would be in a nature magazine because it's a slightly different audience slightly different thing and it's it's good to be the jack of all trades sort of thing where you have ideas about everything because you can then pull things across so yeah that's really cool um say one other thing which is um i I really feel like i should start asking everyone on the podcast this but i always forget um but i wrote it down so i haven't um if you got 
if if you were just given like a huge sum of money, uh, say a million pounds or something, um, you couldn't spend it on say a house to live in or anything like that. What you had to do is you had to invest it in a sort of in something. In a way, if I'll use my. It's it's a. I word the question terribly. With me, for example, if you gave me loads and loads of money, I would open up, um, like a big studio area, um, with podcasting equipment, musical equipment, uh, basically anything that studios require, and I'll try and sort out. If money wasn't obviously the object, uh, wasn't the problem rather. Um, I would try and sort out, especially kids and adults who can't maybe afford to pursue certain passions, to just be able to, some have podcasts or just have a couple of hours in a music recording studio or just come in a group of people, play loads of instruments, have a bit of fun and just have this court of media hub of, of different ideas for equipment that's quite expensive that people may not be able to afford. That's if you gave me a large sum of money, I do video stuff as well. So I'd have like music video studios and green screens, that sort of jazz. And that's probably the route that I'd want to go down. If money was never an object and I could just do anything I wanted. So like with your, would it be, would you in for other examples that people have given like uh my friend carla she wanted to do like a whole community she would basically <laughs> she would basically um have this whole community of um people who are can't afford to live that sort of thing and they'd all have this self-sustaining agricultural thing and um you know there'd be a nice little community yeah you know other people have said travel the world explore things but also be humanitarian help certain people but also just explore different cultures so if i just gave you a huge sum of money and i just said you can't buy a house or do something really easy and sensible with like if i got a huge sum of money i'd just buy loads of property and live off the rent but if i just gave you x amount of million would there be like a specific thing you want to do with it like uh i definitely i this you know we were talking about this before he started um podcast but definitely giving stuff back to the community is really like big thing that's mm. on my mind at the moment and quite similarly to what you said um sometimes situation for individuals it's they want to do things but they don't necessarily have the money the environment the tools to do those things Mm -hmm. so i'd probably like to do some sort of you know project where where people can maybe get some qualifications or or work towards something that they would like to do that maybe would help improve their chances of getting a job or something but then you said someone's wanted to travel do you know work Mm. um across the world i mean obviously that would be a really great thing to do as well but i think it's it's very difficult comes back to the uh kind of you need a group to do something Mm. depends how far you could get but i think giving giving opportunities to those that need it because if i was you know if i had that amount of money it sounds like it sounds like i've already had the opportunity to do what i need to do so maybe it's a case of passing down knowledge or even um actually one thing that's it's really close to my heart and i think you know mental illness is a big thing it's a big part of my life um so maybe kind of doing talks or 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 something having a team that could go into schools colleges universities like it really varies depending on what age you are and um the way you take in information and sometimes it is just putting it plainly so maybe that's what I would work at and and see if I could do work to help 
improve that in any way I could. Yeah, so some sort of almost uh, community outreach sort of project, but a lot more money and time invested into it so you can tailor, tailor it to like the different audiences. So you wouldn't have to just focus on... You could have a variety. You could have people dealing almost with their own demons and other people. So you could have it where you'd have... Uh, certain kids you could go to who've suffered through abuse and other ones who are suffering with potentially their sexuality and issues like that as well as um, my sister-in-law works with young carers who yes. are people who yeah care for their often their older if their parents are really really ill or that sort of thing and they have to you know um, so there's those sorts of things as well as well as you know you could get for adults who have who are homeless or uh, have drug habit issues and these sorts of things so you'd want to be able to help almost any group of individuals uh, just almost find themselves and kind of come back into society and, and help them feel less alienated. Definitely. And uh, sometimes the label of mental illness, it falls into, it is mental illness. It mm. is, it's it's so varied and so complex. It is a very individual thing and it is different for every single person. Like mm. you said, you have your friends. I have friends too. And... Mm. If you put two sufferers next to each other, the chances are they probably would have not a lot in mm. common. Yeah. Um. So I think that is definitely what I would do. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. I think that's a really, uh, really nice way to word it on. I mean, we're getting about one hour fifty, so uh, it's been a nice long conversation. Yeah. I think it's been absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, thank you very much for coming on the no, show. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. And um, yeah, I'll talk to talk to you guys next week. And that's the end of part two. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Um, especially past that really rambly intro part. Um, next week will be a chat with my buddy Jack. Um, I can't 100% remember what we spoke about. Um, and I should have really listened to it back, but it's really late on a Sunday and I'm super tired and I've been really busy this weekend and I'm kind of half doing this last minute because I'm a terrible person and a terrible podcast host. So I'm sorry, guys. Um, we, I think we talk about the universe and conspiracy theories and aliens and all that sort of jazz, I think. I think it's very light on the conspiracy theories. I think we don't think we delve that far deeply into that. We just kind of intertwined with aliens and stuff. Yeah, uh, I think tomorrow I'm recording an episode with my buddy Ryan. Um, so I may end up releasing that one, actually um because that was the one i was going to re record a couple of weeks ago he's in a band um so i don't know uh i kind of as i said and think at the end of the last podcast i'm kind of winging it a little bit um but that's kind of what you got to do when you have loads of guests ho guest hosts you know if i structured my podcast so it was just me talking the entire time it would be horrendous and no one would really want to listen to it uh and then if i had a co-host all the time it would be uh, a lot more difficult to organize um you know try to make sure we're both at the same time ready to do it or who does the editing who does this who does that and i can't be bothered with that uh, at least in this way even though i have to keep sort of you know always trying to be finding new guests to to keep the things interesting it does mean i'm a little bit of a things a bit up in the air half the time but i've got things in the pipeline i think this month i've got quite a few planned to uh to record as well so it should be a fun yep that's all i'm gonna say not it should be a fun month or anything like that it just should be a fun um yeah, so thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, subscribe on any of the podcast apps and uh, YouTube. Um, 
Leave any comments, uh, send me an email, a genuine chit chat at outlook.com or a Facebook message on the or Instagram message or tweet at me and anything along those lines. You know, I'm always happy to speak with anyone. If anyone has any criticisms or anything they want to uh, recommend or anything like that, you know, I'm always open to either a discussion or critique or compliments. That's always that's a nice one, isn't it? Give me a few compliments I've spoken about in this podcast, actually. That's not a hint at all. Uh, Anyway, guys, yeah, thanks as always for tuning in, and um, I'll talk to you next week.